Well, Rosie, our guest today, well, we know him very well, don't we? Mm. He's been on our screens for, gosh, how many decades? Three, <laughs> four decades? <laughs> don't be cheeky to the guest, <laughs> Dr. Hilary Jones, how are you? I'm very well. You've just made me feel very ancient. <laughs> Away and behave yourself. You're a man in his prime. Um, so thank you and welcome to What If. And yeah, how, how long have you been do, being a doctor on the telly? Not quite as long as you've been on the telly. I think I joined TVAM in 1989. Wow. So what's that? I wasn't born years. <laughs> Rosie Posey wasn't even a wasn't, wasn't even a glimmer. No. <laughs> <laughs> just just putting that in. I very know. Nicely. But how long did you, is that when you two met? Yeah, that would be. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah would that, be that would be when we met at TVAM. That's right. With yeah. with the. Mike Morris. Oh, and, uh, lovely Mike. We yeah, and then Diamond. Yes, all the gang. Nick Owen. Nick Owen and all the rest of them. It was, it was great. Really good. And were you friends from then? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we it was a, it was a funny one, wasn't it? Because you we had you, we used to have the dock spot. Do you remember the dock spot? And we had five different doctors. We had lots of different doctors, um, but then it came very very clear that Dr. Hillary was the one that was getting oh. most of the attention. Do you know where the other ones are? They are... Um, are they not even... Being doctors. OK. Retired. <laughs> <laughs> we don't talk about them. Playing golf. And they were, no, all, I, they were all fantastic. I, I think I was the only one brave enough to say, yeah, I'll, I'll, do every, I'll be your resident doctor and, and I'll do everything <laughs> for you. Um, and I think the other, others regretted it afterwards. But, I bet um, they did. I, I just think for continuity, it was really nice. Yeah, to it, was, that, uh, it, was, it was. It was. It really was. Um, did you always know that you wanted to be a doctor? when you were little? No, I didn't. My dad was a GP and I saw him working all hours of the, the day uh, and night, <laughs> um, <laughs> seven days a week. And I thought, that's not for me. I, I, I was lazy then. I was a beach bum. Um, and I said, that's not for me. So I did all the wrong A-levels. I did English, history and French. And then I thought, well, OK, I've done OK, but what am I going to do with these? Uh, and my dad was always encouraging me to think about medicine. So I did a conversion course in a year. Uh, which was horrendous, uh, and I really nearly dropped out then because it was physics and maths and 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 uh, chemistry, um, and it wasn't until I got onto the hospital wards that I really found my vocation, talking to people and making them better, and uh, yeah, the rest uh, the rest is history. Gosh, it is. But in between, you've done some incredible things, mm. really amazing. We want to know we want to know about Tristan de Cunha. And Where what... is that? Well, it's in the middle of Lincoln, nowhere. Hillary, tell us where exactly it is and how That's on it. earth you ended up there. It's exactly what I asked when I saw the advert in the <laughs> British Medical Journal. Where is that? They were looking for a single-handed doctor on this island. Um, and uh, I went to the interview with the Ministry of Overseas Development, not knowing where it was, but I wanted some adventure. It's actually in the middle of the South Atlantic uh, okay. It's the most remote inhabited island in the world between South America and South Africa. And it's like a volcano that sticks out of the sea with 300 people on it. So long story short, I went out there on a fishing trawler for a week. It took a week to get there. Uh, they offloaded me onto this little barge, which went into the harbour. A bit like the Scottish Highlands, really. You know, yeah, the, I've the, seen the photos. Yeah, I've seen photos like of it. Hebrides. Where did you come from in the fishing boat, though? Because you would have had to get to where? where uh, did... Cape Town. Ah, so you have to get to South Africa, to the very, very bottom of South Africa. Then yeah. you get on the fishing boat. And, and you go west for a week. For a week. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But it was such a, a great Amazing. experience. Amazing. I mean, 
whatever happened, I had to deal with it. Mm. So there was no airstrip. You couldn't get anyone to help you. Um, you. You could make a satellite phone call, but literally you were on your own. So if you needed to do an operation or deliver a baby, it was just me. And that's quite a unique situation for any any doctor we qualify, but we have specialists around us mm. uh, that we can call upon. But there it was just little old me and, you know, I think God must have been on my side because I didn't lose anybody. How how old were you when you did that? I must have been 24. Oh, my God, gosh, that's really brave. Because anything could have happened. I mean, you you might have had to take someone's appendix out. What did you do? Did, was there anything mad that you had to do? Well, there was a, we, we had a tuberculosis um, scare because mm. one of the um, uh, Bantu fishermen on the ship came ashore and he had open pulmonary tuberculosis, which he could have given to everybody. Mm. So I had to screen everybody, I had to x-ray everybody's chest um, and do skin tests on them. Um, we had a couple of um, appendicitis. Um, we had a couple of um, narrow squeaks. I did some operations on their animals as well. So I was the vet and the no dentist way. as well. You're the vet, the um, dentist, the doctor, everything. the specialist of everything. <laughs> it was it was hairy, but I, I, mean, I wouldn't do it now. It was crazy. Mm. I, I didn't have you know enough surgical experience, really, and I had to be the anaesthetist too. Oh, um, anything could have happened, but it was the kind of things you do with the arrogance of youth. But it was a great experience. Amazing experience. Silly question, but did they speak English? Oh yeah. Oh right. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So it wasn't there. wasn't a language barrier. But... No. I mean, it's, still... it's a British uh, dependency. Um, oh. And they all come from seven common ancestors, um, but from a very wide gene pool. So they spoke sort of pigeon English mm. um, and uh, it, it was quite endearing, really, but English. Oh. <laughs> but that place will always be very close to your heart. Did you not name one of your kids? Tristan. I did. Yeah. My oldest son is called Tristan because he was conceived there. There wasn't much else to do there. <laughs> Ah. <laughs> well, exactly. And why not? <laughs> and why not? Do you think that experience made you better at, at your job? For Having sure. done that, you know? For sure, yes. I mean, I, I, I think that um, uh, it, it, it made me very aware of, of uh, just observing what was going on amongst the population and um, who was perhaps more vulnerable than others, where they lived. Um, and, and that's something that GPs miss now. That they don't do so many house calls, so they don't see the environment in which people live and work, um, which can be very helpful in in, in uh, thinking about public health and measures you can take. So yeah, I, I think I got to know everybody, um, you know, almost like family. And it was a bit like that old-fashioned Dr. Cameron, Dr. Finley thing, where you knew your patients very well. You had personal lists, and I really enjoyed that, and I could see the benefits of it. Mm. Hmm. So when you came back from there, yes. what happened then? Well, I was in love with islands by then. Mm. I loved having this horizon um, with nothing in front of me, just the ocean. Um, and then I took a job in Shetland um, mm. and I went to I've work. Never been. Uh, have you not been to Shetland? No. Did, you not actually, did you not take me when I was really small? You were really, really tiny. I don't you, remember it. You learned to walk in Orkney. That's why oh. you toddled around in Orkney. That's nice. Um, Shetland is, of course, even further north. Mm. And and Hilary, you just wanted to be on an island. <laughs> Away from the, people. What was, what was the job? What, what were you doing there? I mean, obviously a doctor, but what were you, for yeah. what? So, so I, was, I was working with uh, BP at uh, Salem Vaux at the oil oh, terminal. Yes, yes. Um, so, you know, people would have accidents. Uh, people would need a GP. Um, we used to ferry people back and forwards to Aberdeen. In fact, one of my um, uh, sort of 
lifetime experiences was um, evacuating a, a local girl um, to Aberdeen in a Fort 8 gale Oof. in a little aircraft called an Islander. Yeah. Mm. Um, and we took off from Skatster, an, an ex-RAF airfield, in this storm. And I was convinced we were all going to die um, because we were being thrown around on this plane. It was making an awful noise um, coming from outside. And I, I turned to the pilot and the pilot, uh, forgive my Scottish accent, <laughs> he turned around and he said, don't worry about the noise. It's just the ice coming off the propellers. <laughs> Gosh, that was the actually ice. all right. It wasn't bad, it wasn't bad. Ice coming off the propellers. Oh, oh my yeah, goodness. Yeah, hitting me. the fuse. But the next oh, day, we flew back on a beautiful day. And, mm. and if it's a beautiful day in Shetland, it's Stunning. the nicest place in the world. Mm. And he said, come up the front and fly it. So <gasps> okay. I was flying this plane, <laughs> looking at the oil tankers below and the lovely beaches in Shetland. And no, it was a great experience. Amazing experience. I mean, you do have a sense of adventure, though. That's the thing. I needed to do that. I'd, I'd gone straight from school to medical school, um, concrete jungle in, in, of a hospital, and I just needed that adventure while I was still relatively young. Mm. And uh, I, I certainly would advise anybody to do that. You know, spread your wings, have a look at the rest of the world. It really does colour how you see where we are here. We need to talk about telly. To talk about telly. How did that all happen? Because you, when you went on TVAM, does like how how yeah, does that how, work? How did how, how did they find you? Well, I found them really. Um, I, I, I'd seen a little bit of breakfast TV on my way in to, to do my uh, surgeries. And um, uh, somebody said, you know, you should have a go at that. And so I I, uh, I wrote a letter to the boss. It was Bruce Gingell. Oh, yes. Uh, I remember him well. <laughs> Is he scared? Was he scary? No, he wasn't scary. He was brilliant. I mean, actually, I wouldn't have got my job if it wasn't for Bruce because Bruce no. was Australian. Um, yeah. And I uh, and they didn't really have people that spoke like yeah. me at the time. And Bruce just said, I want a Scottish person, um, you know, reporting from Scotland. And that that was that. The only thing was, wasn't it, Hilary, you couldn't wear black. You had to wear bright colours. That's all he insisted upon. He wanted bright, eternal sunshine. Oh. That's right. He wanted to cheer people up in the morning. Rosie, he he was really he was eccentric. Oh yes. Mm. Um, and because he, I think because he was Australian, he didn't put people in pigeonholes. No. So when I wrote and basically said, "Guess a job," um, <laughs> I said, "You don't want these experts in their ivory towers. These academics who speak medical jargon. You want a bog standard GP like me, who's plain speak, plain English." Um, and uh, they sent me. I came to an interview. And um, uh, they, they tried me out. Uh, I think Lorraine might have interviewed me. Yes. Um, and oh. they said, great, you know, let's, let's, uh, here's a contract. And I, I didn't even ask my GP partners. I just said, yeah, I'd love to do this. And, <laughs> and they haven't found us out yet, have they? No, we're still, still getting away with it. Isn't it, isn't it quite remarkable that we are? But that was great. And the great thing about Breakfast Telly at that time was you could try things out. You know, that was the thing. Um, and also, Kerry, I mean, you have been, and you have been throughout your career, a pioneer, because you mm. have talked about things on the telly that now feel that, you know, it's no big deal. But back then, we, you know, things like cancer, 
Oh, wasn't it Anne Diamond that said it? It wasn't talked about. No. It just wasn't talked about. We didn't talk about things. It was it was all hushed tones or, you know, it, it was called, oh, the C word, but we didn't actually say the word cancer. Um, and things, you know, I mean, we've done breast examinations live. We've done testicular examinations live in the best possible taste, mm-hmm. obviously. I can't help but giggle, but yeah. <laughs> no, but it's great, but that's fine. Oh, no, it's very good. But very good. giggling is good. And that's the thing about Hillary as well. You've always had a sense of humour, even when we're talking about the darkest subjects that's been something you've always said uh, yeah i think humor is a, a really good way of uh, diffusing an embarrassing situation for patients um if you could have a little laugh um it immediately dismisses all that worry about which words should i use and you know am i making a fool of myself and so a little bit of humor as long as it's not aimed at anybody um it is is a really good thing it puts people at their ease and, um, you know, I've always found it very useful. And you're right. I think the the educational messages that that you and I have have been able to um, communicate to people, it, it, it's borne witness by the number of letters we get from people saying, had I not watched the program, um, your program, Lorraine, I wouldn't, you know, my, my husband wouldn't have found his prostate cancer. I wouldn't have found my breast lump. And, you know, I think it's one of the best uses of television. We use it so much for entertainment and not enough for education. But, but I think we can be proud of, of what we've achieved. Well, you've saved lives. I mean, especially I remember when you did the meningitis um, campaign and that really did save lives because people were very unclear about what to look for, especially when it's your child. Um, and that was a remarkable campaign. I mean, that really changed things. Yeah, the, the, the Tumblr test, we called it. And, and we just made people aware of that sign, you know, pressing a, a glass tumbler against your skin. Um, it, it should blanch if it's allergic, but it won't blanch if it's due to bleeding as a second a secondary um, complication of sepsis. So things like that, they're so easy to, to um, communicate. The messages are clear. We've done the same for, for breast cancer. We've done the same for prostate cancer. And it, it's... It, it, I suppose it's easy for me to say as, as a doctor with seven years training, but I, I am always surprised at how little information people still have, um, how little knowledge they have about their own body, mm. uh, which for me is fundamental. So, yeah, if we've if we've achieved those things, I think uh, we can be happy. It's also that thing with people that they think it can't happen to me. Like, mm, why would I sure. why would I check? Because it's not. Like it can't be absolutely. Me. So you've grown up with Doctor Hillary. I have. When did when was that? When did I first meet you? Oh, you must have been a, a bit. No, I oh. I know exactly when it was, Hillary. You were about a week old, mm. and we came on, and it turned into it was actually quite good because um, I was there with you, and you were teeny tiny, and I was you know I did, my head was full of nonsense as it always is you know sort of at once more full of nonsense more full of nonsense <laughs> more full of nonsense and basically I kind of forgot I was on the telly Hillary and I just started talking to you about like, all these concerns I had and all these worries I had about you know, and, and and all these joyful things that had happened and it was lovely we just we kind of forgot we were on tv which is yeah which is good in a sense it, it, it's lovely and and you know uh, it, it's it's I look back on on the TV career and there, there's so many people that, that I've met that I wouldn't otherwise have met who've asked me medical questions. I mean, you, you, you tell me that, um, you, you know, that I used to do the doc spot. The doc spot used to be right 
after the entertainment yes. slot. So I would find myself sitting next to the late, great Dudley Moore or Charlton Heston or, or <laughs> Dolly Parton. Um, and I've examined Engelbert's throat, <laughs> Dudley Moore's piano fingers. Um, I, I've looked at Penny Lancaster's leg um, with Rod present, by the way. Okay. <laughs> um, so it is quite extraordinary that the, the, the scenes you get thrown into just being a TV doctor. And everybody wants to know. I mean, the thing is, with you as well, there's always a queue. Every morning you come in, there's always something, you know, always one of one of you know one of the crew or one of the production team. You know, oh, I've got this worry and I've got that worry. But that's that's a real sort of tribute to you because your your bedside manner. Um, you can tell you anything. You can ask you anything. I can show you yeah. anything. Mm. I was thinking of changing my house name to Bedside Manor, actually. You <laughs> 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 <we> should. <laughs> one, one, one of the biggest challenges I had was I got a call once uh, to um, the green room. Um, uh, could I come and look, see Vinnie Jones? Um, and he said, Doctor, he said, I've had a stitch or two in my face over in LA and now I'm here, I need it removed. Could you do it? Oh, oh my God. Did you do it? <laughs> Can you imagine getting it wrong with Vinnie Jones? <laughs> with a bag? Um, yeah, I did it. <laughs> oh, that is amazing. It's, it oh, really wow. is. It's it's wonderful. Now, look, you're a very handsome big fella. No. We have got a shot of Hillary <laughs> Rosie. A shot. Do you know the James Bond thing when he comes out of the sea, James Yeah, Bond? yeah, yeah. I'm aware. Never mind of that. We've got a much better one of Dr Hillary. I think it's kind of getting worn away a wee bit uh, because we use it so often. But you take care of yourself. And I, and I always remember you saying to me, and I thought, that can't be right. When I was trying to lose weight after having you, um, and I had real post-baby weight. I mean, everybody kept saying to me, <laughs> when is the baby due? Like, <laughs> She's five, thanks. <laughs> but you always said to me, exercise, exercise, even when you're tired. You know, that's the thing. And you do take care of yourself. I mean, for a man of 92, I think you look... <laughs> <laughs> you're nowhere near that. But you look fantastic. You do, you always have. You practice what you preach. Well, I do. I mean, I've kept my makeup on, obviously, for this. And uh, every morning, um, no, I've always enjoyed exercise. You know, I, I, I've always, I've always, I used to row, uh, play squash, um, windsurf, ski, uh, and I still, I still go jogging with the dog and 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 go, and go to the gym and other stuff as well. So, but I've always enjoyed it. it. Hasn't been a chore for me. And and without exercise, you know, I wouldn't function so well. I wouldn't sleep so well. And I always say to people, I'd rather prescribe exercise for them than any kind of medicines. Mm. Because it, it keeps you it keeps you well mentally and physically. Now look, you mentioned the Spanish flu, um, which was the you know the last big pandemic, and that was the basis for a whole brand new career that you've done, which has been an author. Now I know you've written books before medical books, you know, and health books and all of that, um, which were great. Um, but this is you now doing fiction and you're on your second book now. I am on my third book now. You're on your third? Uh, well, sorry, the yeah. second one's just out, but you're working on the third yeah. one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. wonderful. Um, so there I was sitting in the studio covering the first year of the pandemic, thinking, do you know, there are so many parallels between this pandemic and the Spanish flu. Um, there were so many unknowns in both cases. And frontline workers were the ones that were, again, the saviors of mankind. They, they got stuck in, whether they were soldiers in the trenches of the Somme or whether they were healthcare workers looking after the, the, the 50 million people who eventually died of, of the Spanish flu. So I found myself writing this story um, based around a medical family um, 
and this was, if I may, yes, um, oh, hello. That, that was the first book called mm-hmm. Frontline, Frontline, dedicated to frontline workers, mm-hmm. healthcare professionals and soldiers, um, but with lots of medical um, uh, history and, and military history in there, a bit of romance as well. And when I finished that one, um, I thought, well, I'm going to continue the story of the family in between the wars, um, where a lot was happening, actually. We still didn't have an NHS. People were still falling ill and dying of, of infection. But again, there was lots of, um, there was the big depression. Um, there was um, the the Irish, the Irish um, uh, civil war going on. All sorts of things. So the family are evolving during this period. So second book Ta-da! was Eye of the Storm. Uh, and I'm just um, working on, on book three, which is the lead up to World War Two. Again, the same family and the penicillin story, which I found fascinating. So um, that's... Tell us that's... a story. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I'll give it away. No, <laughs> that sounds that sounds absolutely brilliant, and well, I love really that. Yeah, writing, there you, know, you the have creativity. Did you know that you would be a good good at writing? Did you know you'd be a good writer? Well, I, I, I went to a school where the English department were fabulous, mm. um, and we used to put on dramas. I was at school with the late Mel Smith. Uh, Alan Rickman went to my school, oh. um, and, and various others uh, as well. Uh, Hugh Grant, um, and and so writing essays and stories was something I really enjoyed. And I, I kept doing it to a certain extent when I went through my medical studies, but this was the first opportunity I had to actually create um, a, a trilogy. So mm. it's been fun. I bet it has, and you don't want to say bye-bye to the characters, so you want to keep writing, you know, and, and, and yes. get to know them more. Can and... you see it being a movie? Well, I was thinking Or that. a TV series. Well, I, I, I would love it to be. I would love it to be because I think there's enough in there, there's enough... Uh, characterization mm. and drama mm-hmm. um to um to make it so i mean it, i i it, it for me it's kind of similar to i don't know downton and foils war and, yes, and others uh-huh. all wrapped into one yeah that like it's it's kind of like testament of youth as well that brilliant book by vera Britton. it's it's that mm. sort of, you know the, certainly the first one your first book was like that and yes. uh and as you say i think it will it really resonates with so many people because we've just gone through it and it yeah. obviously in a completely different time and all mm. of that but we we have just gone through all of that so it's quite yes and, and i found that the more i researched the, the more similarities there were and and i realized how little we learn from, mm, from history yeah. Ooh, we, make, we tend to make the same mistakes mm. um, and people behave in similar ways so just as they we had profiteers um uh during the first world war when other other soldiers were on the front dying and people were making money at home you know you wonder what changes um, ah indeed yes so mm. it's interesting very very good point now you mentioned that at your school there's all these fantastic thespians i'm sure i've seen a photograph of you acting i mean could there have been a, another direction you know what if the what if the sort of the, the medical career hadn't beckoned so much you, you would you have would you have had a stage career as an actor? Yeah, I, I would have, you know, I, I used to enjoy prancing about on stage. <laughs> prancing about on stage. All the actors will love that. <laughs> what is it you do? Oh, I prance about on stage. Well, some of them do, to be fair, some of them do. I, t- I, we, I did a production of um, Henry the Fourth, Part One, um, and, and I, I, I played um, uh, Hal, Prince Hal, 
to Mel Smith's Falstaff. Um, and there's a scene where I have a sword fight with Percy. Um, and we used to do these things so nearly professionally that we actually rehearsed this sword fight with real steel swords. Oh, God, I think I know what's going to happen. <laughs> and then on one on one night, of the, I think it was a four-night production, um, sparks flew off the swords. Oh, and we heard the audience go, <gasps> So no one got hurt, survived. though. No one got hurt, but then... No that's hurt. where my brain went. I was like, oh, no. No, nobody got hurt, my which was good. boys got hurt in the making of this film. <laughs> but then you might have thought to yourself, now, if I was a doctor, that would have been all right, mm. depending on what had happened there. Obviously, we know you We know you as our GP on our telly and also radio and all of these other things that you do, and now, now a writer, now an, now an author. But what do you think is the thing that you kind of are most proud of, I guess? I mean, is there anything in particular you look back and say, yeah, yeah, that made a difference and, and I'm glad I did that? Yes, for sure. I mean, we, we touched on it already, but, but, I, but I think, um, you know, when you and I and our team receives letters from people saying thank you, you know, what we learned from your programme has actually been instrumental in getting our early diagnosis or, or getting our treatment. For me, that 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 is what it's all about. For me, being a TV doctor is about empowering people to know more about their own bodies, um, to take action, to use the NHS in the most appropriate way. And I do feel that we've made a difference in breast cancer, prostate cancer, um, in bowel, uh, bowel cancer as well, of course, with, with our Debbie. Um, and, you know, I think we can be genuinely uh, pleased with what, what your programme has achieved over the years, because I know from the letters we've collated that it's significant. You're right. It was so interesting what you were talking about um, when especially in TVAM days, because we used to get the most m mega stars on that programme. Because back then they weren't really, oh, they didn't really have all their PR people round about them or their, the, you know, all, all their the, the sort of entourage round about them. You know, you would get somebody like Kirk Douglas that would turn up on his own, you know, with maybe somebody that had driven him there and that, and that was that. And that was a remarkable time, wasn't it? And, and the fact that they would be sitting there, you know, saying to you, I've got a boil in my bum or I've got a sore elbow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It's quite astonishing, isn't it? it it's very odd. It, it's very odd. I mean, I, I, the first time I met Status Quo was in the gents. <laughs> <laughs> You're having a chat, you know, how surreal is that? You know, hello. oh, hello, Doctor. <laughs> and and, and, and uh, the Rolling Stones would come in, you know, and, and um, you know, it, it, uh, and, you may, and they came over to me and said, oh, hello, we really like what you do. And... That is very surreal. I mean, that is surreal. Yeah. superstar, you know, yeah. and you're in awe of them. And they say, "Hey, hey, Doc." Um, that that was really quite nice. It's yeah. it's a it's the nice side of uh, entertainment, isn't it? Absolutely. Mm. If there was one thing you could tell junior doctors, you know, when we actually can recruit some, um, why can't we recruit any? Oh, what do you think? I think the job has changed um, dramatically since I started as a GP. Um, when I started as a GP, we would deliver babies. We would carry out minor ops on our patients. We would do lots of house calls and we would have time um, to get to know the person. Now, none of that happens. Very little of that happens. We don't run personal lists. People might not see the, see the same doctor twice. I think that personal element has gone, unfortunately. Um, and that's so important putting people at their ease, getting 
to know what their concerns and worries are, getting them to really trust you and vice versa. I think that's a very important part of med continuity of care, seeing how something evolves. If you only see somebody once, you, you don't know where they are in their journey. Mm. But if you see them at the beginning, in the middle, you, you, you can see what's going on. And, and continuity is vital. And we've lost a lot of that. We've also lost the ability for GPs to talk directly to consultants, knowing that that consultant would really get on with that patient rather than the other one. Um, and, and that's the sort of art of medicine, as well as the science of medicine, which we need to concentrate on again. And I would say to any aspiring a junior doctor now you know put yourself in the patient's shoes how would you feel if you were in their position right now what would you want to do for them well i like that it's a lovely note to end on i it think is, the, it is, the future it is. Yes. um so we do end each episode by getting our guests to tell us their biggest fail regret and win um so okay. we will start with fail your biggest fail right okay no you laugh at this one um <laughs> because when i was at a junior doctor at the Royal Free Hospital in Hampstead, um, I went along to TVAM about three years before I was employed by TVAM. And I said, I've got a great idea. And they summoned a producer who took me down to the, the, the very nice cafeteria on the lock. Do you remember on Camden oh, Lock? I do. Yes. And the producer said, what's your idea? I said, well, it's a drama based in a casualty department and it's all about the patients that come in and the doctors and their hassles and the nurses worries and it's a it's a weekly drama he said well what would you call it i said well, i call it casualty <gasps> went, nah it would never work no oh, oh, oh that no. was my biggest fail isn't it don't because that's still on the it's been on the go forever, forever. oh my goodness and spun so many other things you could have been the person oh. that did that, so you had the idea first. Oh, I should have taken it to breakfast TV, of course. I didn't know that at the wow, time. Oh, that was, that was sore. That was sore. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, OK, what about regret? A biggest regret? Um, I think, we again, we've touched on this, and that is that, that TV is largely wasted on the public because during the pandemic... Um, here we were, you know, we were worried that kids couldn't go to school. Um, they were missing out on their education. People couldn't get information. But there were 400 channels on TVs in everybody's house. And yet we weren't using it for education. Mm. You know, it's kind of lost that that role that it once had as as an instrument of learning and teaching it, it's all about entertainment now and i'm not knocking it i, I work in in the medium but you know I, I do think that during the pandemic how difficult would it have been to say right kids you can't go to school at the moment so we're going to do some really good infotainment programs on where you're going to learn um teachers could have done this it could have been sorted out you know in a flash in a moment of crisis like a pandemic but that would be my biggest regret, I think, in terms of um, what television could be used for. That's a good one. Mm. I like that one a lot. I mean, I know there was little pockets of people trying, wasn't there? There was yeah. being masterclasses online and this was happening there. But you're right, there could have been a whole channel devoted Health to Health Secretary and Education Secretary. Health Secretary, Education Secretary, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and finally, your biggest win. Oh, a biggest win. Um, well, I'm gonna again, I'm going to relate it to TV. 
me. And, and um, so there was Dr. Range and myself um, doing pointless. Okay. <laughs> so we we were the two real doctors. And the other contestants, the other three couples, were um, fictional um, oh, nurses that's or doctors. Clever, right? Okay, that's okay. But so the pressure, the pressure was really on us <laughs> um, to do well, and 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 luckily we got to uh, we got to the final round, and there and there's just the two of us, and we had to pick our last category, and um, you know I, I said to Ranj, Ranj if they ask me about the Spice Girls, we're gonna yeah, that's it. We're gonna be finished. <laughs> he said, if they ask me about films or music, we're finished. I said, well, we don't know anything. So the choice came up, and and one of the choices was um, remote places. <gasps> oh, perfect. So that's you. I said, let's do let's do remote places. And what came up? Tristan. No Tristan way. To go to <laughs> Fantastic. And I said to Ren, I worked there for a year. <laughs> oh, brilliant. And got the jackpot. Brill- yeah, that isn't is that weird. lovely? That I is like fantastic. That. See? Oh, Hilary, thank you so much. It's thank been you. Thank you. Great just to talk to you, just to have a chat mm. and a blather. It's been nice lovely. To have a chat. Yeah. And- I mean, look, we've been working for over, together for over 30 years. <gasps> Gosh. I'm, I'm still in awe of you. Oh, and you're, you're, <laughs> no, you're, 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 your professionalism, you know, the, the way... You, you get on with so many people and, and, and you make it look easy, but I know how difficult it is. And, you know, I know you so well that when I see you interviewing somebody, you're not all that keen on. <laughs> oh, no. Just <laughs> you at you. Oh, that's you and my mum. They're the only two. Because <laughs> my mum said, oh, you had that face on. She knows that face. I don't know what that face is, but you know. That's a I know that face. It's just a thing and look in your eyes. <laughs> Rosie knows that face. Yeah, the three of you. Yeah. Rosie knows. <laughs> Hilary knows. My mum knows. Hilary, a joy. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you both. Thank you, Rosie. Thanks, Lorraine.